For over 10 years, we've been bringing you killer metal music and frank discussions about heavy metal. Wait, who the hell is Frank? You are tuned into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. Here are your hosts, Kerry the Metal Geek and Sean the Metal Pigeon. Keep it metal. everyone to another episode of MSR Cast. I am one of your hosts. I am Carrie the Metal Geek and we have a very special episode today. Um, I've been really digging this band quite a bit recently and I've been singing the praises to everybody in ear uh, wave that can hear me. Uh, I want to welcome onto the show Justin Coleman, guitarist and lead vocalist for Kriggs Grove. What's up man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's yeah, uh, a Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was, I was going to say, I totally cut you off and I did it again. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a lot of that this evening. It's okay. Um, what I said was serious. I, uh, I was blown away when I, when I heard the album and I just started telling everybody, you have to listen to this album. And then it, it came to my attention that you guys are Texas boys like me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't say born and raised for everybody. Cause that's, uh, that's not David, but I am. Uh, originally I lived in the Dallas Metroplex and then like maybe 15 years ago came to central Texas, but, uh, yeah, man, I've been in, been in Texas my whole life. <laughs> uh, you, so you're near like the Austin area closer to that a little bit North. Yeah. Of that? Yeah. I'm about an hour North of Austin. Uh, Cody and David are in the DFW area still. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, it did surprise me that the band is Texas, uh, is a Texas band because, Everything about the album feels so. Uh, I hate to say like like a Euro metal band, you know. It's it's so. It's at the, it's top notch, and it and I'm not not putting anybody down to Texas, of course, but Texas is known for certain styles of band. Uh, you got your Pantera and all that kind of. There's a lot of great death metal coming out of Texas right now. How do you feel that you guys fit into that Texas metal scene? You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't think we do. Uh, I think, and I'm not trying to be pretentious or anything, but I don't, I think there are a few bands like, for example, Hiniana, they kind of have that like melodic yep. death, um, you know, from Austin and Necrofire from Houston, for example, like they're oh, really, yeah. they, they take that, that black metal, but we, we don't do either one of those things, but I think we kind of have kinships with bands like that. Uh, even, there was a band that just released the CD or Bane uh, out of Houston. That's really cool. Uh, it's from the guys from Will's Dissolve, but I, I don't think we fit in. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really good, like symphonic black metal. Um, great stuff. I, I've listened to the record a couple times now, but I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, for me, I've, I've never felt like Kriegsgrove really totally fits in because we're not fully black metal and we're not fully death metal and we're not just doom. Um, yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't think we necessarily fit in, but I'm also very okay with that. <laughs> that's, a, I, I, that you just said that I, that's one of the reasons I really love the band. One of my questions before we get into all the, the details about everything is so, is it Craig's Grove? Is that how you say it? I want to pronounce it correctly. 
that that is how I say it, but however you pronounce it is how it is said. So you know, however you want to do it, man. Perfect. Because uh, you you mentioned you're at the core, you're a black metal band, but there's a lot of doom elements and there's a lot of mellow death element there's a lot of goss elements like i hear a lot of typo negative type vibes on the album things like that um what inspired you guys to to sort of blend these uh these genres together because i know two albums ago we were going to play music from that later it was more doom based and it just sort of like progressed into what it is on this album we've always kind of played what we felt like at the time when we were writing together. Um, if you go back to, for example, uh, like Carrion Filt, we were really into writing like atmospheric, you know, that kind of post black metal sound. And that's where that kind of germinated. And like you said, leave no path to follow David and I were really, really into just Peaceville three doom. So that was, I mean, it's, it's not even like, uh, you know, it's super obvious on that record. That's what we were listening to a lot of. Yeah. Uh, and on these these last few records, it it feels like this is like kind of version three of the band, and we've really freed ourselves up to just try and add it all together. And I think it's been working. I think we've been really successful at making it work. And we've just, I don't know, there's like a level of confidence I think we've all gotten to just because we've been working together so long. You get you you get comfortable with what you're trying to put out as a product. Um, do you uh, whether it's a constant, with it sort of like a conscious decision when you're going into write for the next album? Let's let's concentrate on 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 this that we did from this album and the doom element here. Not really. It's more of um, what fits best for the song. What fits best for the feel of the record. Um, cause we view it as like a total conceptual, uh, piece, right? Because we're still yeah. very old school in the mentality of we like albums start to finish. And that's how we think of creating a record because that's what we do. We still listen to albums that way. And so for us, it's not about writing a single. It's about what fits best with the flow of the record, what matches the aesthetic and the artwork that we're using, what matches the feel and the theme and the lyrics and so we do that, but we also know the templates we're working within are still going to be, you know, inherently black metal or doom metal because that's us. Um, like for example, myself, you know, I was prior to Kriegsgrave, I played in black metal bands. I played in death metal bands. I've been, you know, into this music for over 30 years now. So as a guitar player, it's just a part of my DNA. So it's like, if I want to put a, you know, a typo negative riff and then try to put like, um, you know, some type of Norwegian black metal riff or anything like that after it. It's like, that to me is fun. It's like, how do I make those work together? Because I love both things equally. Interesting. You say that because you can actually listening to the album. Let's talk about the album title. It's called fires in the fall. Um, being in Texas, fucking hot this summer. Uh, so we're look, we're looking forward to some fires in the fall when it gets a little bit colder. But yeah, yeah, it's it's oppressively hot, and um, you know that that's where we kind of have a reoccurring theme with a lot of our album song titles about winter, fall, nature, um, because we're heavily inspired by those times. Personally, like I know for me in the summertime, I generally don't write a lot of music because I fucking hate the summertime. It's yeah. hot. It sucks. 
Um, if you live in Texas, you know, because like what we're dealing with right now, there's been no rain for like three months. It's 104 yep. degrees. Um, so for me, it's kind of miserable, uh, but not in a, a fun, <laughs> a fun, inspiring <laughs> way. Um, so, right. you, you know, yeah, it's creating that like it's almost like a longing because we get so little of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree on that. It's like an Agalock album. You want to just go out into the woods and, and, you know, light a fire and just be with nature. Yeah, that, that's 100 percent it, man, because the best albums transport you somewhere. And that's absolutely the kind of feel that we're trying to go for, because those are the records that, you know, we really love. And those are the ones that really like Agalox the Mantle, for example, or yeah. Typo Negatives, October Rust, or, you know, we'll get into this like Amorphous' Tales from a Thousand Lakes. You go somewhere and that's created, you know, to that place and it makes you yearn for the, that space or those seasons. And that's exactly, exactly what we're trying to do. And the whole imagery, everything like you're talking about, it's not just the music and the lyrics, but it's the the covers and and then op- getting that physical vinyl or a CD if you like, and and diving into everything. And then it, it, it's with the day and age that we live in now. It's it, it, sometimes a lot of people I think miss those elements of music. Yeah, I, I think they do, and it's unfortunate. Um, again, I think we kind of live in the age of the single. Uh, we live in the age of streaming, yeah. which it, it has its benefit to a degree. It allows accessibility. Again, you can go online and find like the corner demos and you don't have to pay $100 for them with Tom G on vocals. That's cool. But at the same time, it kind of, it creates like an ADHD with people to where they don't listen to albums top to bottom. And for me, mm-hmm. that's that that's just who I am. So that's kind of the music that I want to write. So. Uh, let's go. Let's go back in the time machine and talk about the history of the band. I know uh, you're not an original member of the band, um, so talk about. Let's quickly discuss the history. Uh, it's almost been around for two decades now. How did you first get involved? So David started the project in approximately 2003, 2004, and it was just kind of a solo project to make like Carpathian Forest Corgoroth worship and have session vocalists. Um, really from there, David and I started playing together in a band with our first guitar player, Corey in like 2007. Um, so that's kind of how we linked up and he had Kriegsgrave going, but it was very, very, very in the background. Like it, Valsgaard was our main thing at the time. Um, that fell apart, but David and I continued to play together and we had other projects. Uh, we did Heimar together, which is just more or less a continuation of Valsgaard. Uh, but him and I always really clicked really well on a musical level and just as a friend. And so when he, in 2010, he, he did Lux Cop to S by himself and with a session vocalist. And he showed it to me just as like a, hey, man, I, you know, I put this out. What do you think? And I was like, I fucking love this record. Like, <laughs> this is let's let's play this live, you know, because we know each other and we know our capabilities. I was like, I'll I'll do the vocals and guitar, I guess. And let's see what happens. And almost instantly we started of course, writing new music. So it was just when we were rehearsing the Lux Cap to S sessions, that's where Carrie and Filts came from almost immediately. So, and, and it just kind of went from there and we're here five albums later. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was so happy to, to it, it's rare for somebody who's been in the metal scene so long to discover an album. Uh, I'm going to like fires in the fall. When I first heard it, I'm like, Oh, this is something I really love. 
And then it's it's such an amazing feeling to go back and go, hey, they have like five other albums in the back catalog. It's no better feeling than to make that discovery. Oh, that that's really cool. And I, I'm glad you think so, because I, I was asked the question kind of about like how this stylistic change for us has gone. And I'm like, well, if you go back mm-hmm. and you listen to the older albums, it's there. A lot of our trademark stuff that we do it's there. It's there on the other records that we've created. It might not be as amplified or as well done, but it's there in a different way. So, you know, I think I, I to kind of circle back around, I think we nailed it with fires in the fall. Um, I think we really were firing on all, on all cylinders when we, when we did that, but it's always been kind of in our DNA, you know, it's always there. And, and I'm glad I appreciate you saying that and going back and checking those out. That's awesome. So you mentioned, we've mentioned the, the album Fires in the Fall it just came out in June, available on all streaming platforms. You can go to your Bandcamp page. I was lucky enough to get one of the 200 vinyls that was released. Looking forward to that. Yes. Um, what has the reception been for you guys so far? It's been strange because this is easily the best received album we've done. Uh, we, people have been very proactive in expressing their their enjoyment of it and their love of it. And it's been it's been overwhelming, but in a really positive way. Not that we haven't gotten good feedback in the past, but something with this has resonated with new fans and and the people that have enjoyed our music in the past so much that it's really, it's kind of done its own thing and it's been super awesome. And it's very humbling because, uh, you know, you get messages about how important this album is for folks. And you, I, I don't know if, when you create it, I don't know if you think about that, but it's, it's just been really amazing. And, you know, like I said, it's kind of just, it's humbling and it's, it's awesome all at the same time. Like I really appreciate it. And I'm super stoked that everyone loves it. You know, we put our souls into it. So that's, it's nice to hear. It's great when you, uh, yeah, when you, we can, you've worked so hard on something, you, you put a product out in the world for people to listen to and, and enjoy and, and you get that feedback and it, it's, I, I bet you, I bet there's nothing that can compare to that. Oh, I mean, it's about as good as it gets because you think of albums that you love by artists that have made them. It's like, you just want to give back to that kind of like creative hole, you know, like you draw from the well. So you want to kind of return that, or at least that's how I feel about it. And so the fact that it's resonated so much with people and it still is, uh, I mean, it's just fucking cool, man. Well, let's, let's get into a track. I want people to hear what we're talking about. Uh, I'm going to pick one of my favorite tracks from the album. uh, And then I will let you pick one of yours. Um, okay. hopefully ours are they maybe they the lineup we will find out uh when <laughs> okay. i when i'm gone let the wolves come okay great track thank you um thank you i the first uh the thing i the first thing i think about when i hear this track is enslaved and how it's better than the new enslaved album but i'm just gonna leave that there <laughs> You know what? You're going to make me admit this, but it was inspired by Enslaved. So nope. good, good, good ear. Good for you. Oh, I got it. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'm okay with that because if you like yeah. something, it, it it comes through. And it really was, it, it was kind of like musically, um, th- there was one riff that I had written that kind of generated the rest of the song. And it was towards mm-hmm. the end. And, and I wrote it on bass, actually. And it's like the the dun, 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 like where the guitar harmony comes in uh before it gets heavy again and i just had that riff floating around and uh, you know listening to enslaved and like campfire and stuff like that is like i want to write a song that's just 
I don't know. It, it has that carefree kind of like feel, but it's progressive at the same time. Yep. And, um, and I'm not typically a progressive guy, but I just started writing it and the way that it went about, it, I was like, man, it just has to keep building and building and building and then come back to the, the, the blast beat, you know, at the end where it's just like, it's knocking the door in and, and that's it. It's the manifestos here, you know? That's awesome. Uh, let's get into it. This is from the brand new uh, Craig's Grove. This is When I'm Gone, Let the Wolves Come from Fires in the Fall. We'll be right back.
And we're back. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. I know you enjoyed that because it's your one of your babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, and oddly enough, that's the uh, the extra song. It's the bonus song. Um, so you can only get it on the CD, and you can get it on all streaming. So spoiler alert: like everyone can get it. It's there. But as far as physical copies, it's only on the CD. And we we wanted to do something special, so that was kind of the, the oh, thing. Oh, cool. So how important is, uh, like, I know vinyl right now, it's, it's hard, hard to produce a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of delays and things like that. Um, was talking about how the, the music scene is, especially the metal scene right now, how important is it, uh, to do special releases like that and make sure you have like the, the special colored vinyl and all that kind of stuff. Well, I always try to use myself as kind of a litmus test for it because I think it's super important. Like metal heads and, you know, I'm including myself in this because that's what I look for. Like we want, you know, you want the special edition, you want the limited thing, you want the thing that's, there's not, you know, an unlimited amount of, which usually there's not. Um, But having cool stuff is what keeps, I think, a lot of uh, underground metal bands going because you have unique vinyl, you know, um, you have awesome splatter patterns. You have a CD that has a bonus track. You know, you have a tape version, which is still fucking weird to me, but it's cool. People <laughs> like it. Um, Cassettes have made a comeback. It's it's so strange. A track. Yeah. Is to watch it. Yeah. You, you know what? I'm all for it. It's it's weird as hell to me, but let it's if people dig it, that's awesome. Um, so I think it's. I used to work at a record store, and we sold uh, metal primarily was our thing, and we did like in stores with uh, bands and stuff, and. For me, it's always been super important because I think it's a part of the culture and it's just like, like I'm a collector and I love to have that stuff. And I think, yeah, there you go. Like other people do. And it's just, it's important to you like that. You know, it it just, you care about it. I don't care if I have the original pressing. I I need the limited splattered red version now, you know, there's a, there's certain bands in my collection that I will definitely do that for. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's, it's like, you want to get every version of a thing if you really love it. And that's what I mean. Like that's, that's fucking awesome. Um, let's get, let's get back into the album a little bit more. Um, how important we, we, we might've touched on this briefly, but how important was the sequencing in the album? Um, and was there any kind of overarching like story or concept that, that's like, that goes through the entire entirety of the album? So the sequencing of the the album was extremely important. That to me is almost as important as the songs that are on it because it creates that that flow. It creates, again, being able to listen to it top to bottom because it it does, you know, it transitions from song to song. Like for example, you know how uh, Black Oak fades in, and then you have at the end of uh, you know, um how sees of perdition kind of like kicks up, like everything feeds into each other. And it was very purposeful in that way. Um, so for us, it was super important. We spent a lot of time bouncing back and forth, uh, the tracks and how we would put them together and how it would sound and, and making a list. And eventually we revised it to where we, we got it for the final album. Um, so, I mean, for us, it was just as important as the songs. And I missed the second yeah, part it- of that question. <laughs> Um, it, it is very important because, uh, listening to an album, like we've talked about it, not like listening to singles and all that kind of stuff. This, when it all flows together, it's one cohesive experience. 
Yeah, and and that was absolutely the point. Uh, again, because a lot of my favorite records just take take Master of Puppets from top to bottom. It flows really well. Um, Power Slave, it flows really well. I mean, there's oh, yeah. just the, you know that's that's really what we were trying to do, and I think I think that may be why we feel like this is also you know our best album because I think we got the tracks and I think we got the track listing pretty spot on. Um. What is the process from uh, conception to completion for an album? Oh, that's a that's a tall order. <laughs> so, but uh, you know what? I can kind of talk you through it a little bit because we've started with the next record uh, already. So it normally starts with an idea, um, like as far as like kind of where do we want to take our sound moving forward for the next inspiration, right? And so we kind of talk to each other about that and like, Hey, we want to maybe add in some more of this element, like, you know, some spoiler alert here. We want to add in a little bit more black metal to, to the next record. And so we'll go back and we'll listen to a lot of, you know, we'll make a playlist and start feeding off that. And then like a week and a half ago, I had a riff. So I wrote a song and I sent it to the guys and they're like, yeah, th- this is, you know, this is good. We can go forward with this now, whether or not it makes it to the album when it's done, it doesn't matter because we've always started the process, you know, right. and, we'll, and it's usually like it's a spark that ignites the whole flame. Um, so like, for example, uh, with the sundering, it was Cody wrote absence that and as soon as he wrote absence, the rest of the songs just kind of fell into it. And it's like, okay, this is what we're going for. Um, and then we start like, like I'll start tossing song titles and concepts and I'm like, Hey, this could be a cool working title. This could be a cool song title. Um, you know, stuff like that. So it really builds from there. And then we just really have an open conversation the whole time until it's done, uh, which takes forever. So there's like a lot of months to a year that, that, that process happens and the songs get revised and then re-revised and uh, a lot of fine tuning, but that's how it happens. It's really just, we'll have kind of a, a nexus of a, an idea of saying, well, let's do seven songs in the style kind of leaning towards this it's not a hard and a fast roll and then we'll start writing and whatever catches everyone's ear, then we'll work with that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just keep going. Do you guys uh, do a lot of this remotely? Uh, do you guys ever just get together and jam out and see what kind of ideas flow out? I, I wish we did. We do it pretty much all remotely. We used to get together uh, in person and jam on the first couple at like uh carrion fields and ways of degradation, we we got together and jammed those a lot in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but after that, and and that's why uh, leave no path to follow was almost our last record because uh, uh, Corey left the band and it was just David and I. And we, you know, it was like, do we want to keep doing this? Um, and, and we did, but we had to find our inspiration, and that's what came out of it was that record. Um, we kind of just planned on working as a two man and it, you know, obviously didn't happen. We got Cody, but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's a part of it. Like I, I would like to work a little bit more together in person on this next record because I feel like we can kind of, you know, when you're together, you can feel it in the yeah. room and you can hash it out a little better. So I, I think we're going to try to. Now, um, was there any kind of overarching, like, story or concept uh for the lyrics for this album not really (laughs) 
Um, it's it's mainly about death. Uh, good and like bad. Like every good metal album should be, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, I try to write about what I know or what, what I can speak about, and I can speak about life. I can speak about how life affects me, the life I live. Uh, and, and by that, I don't mean it so, you know, cryptically, like... Yeah. Take, for example, um, like I, I can kind of break it down song by song because they're not all about death necessarily, but like um, Everflowing Vessel. Yeah, Everflowing Vessel is, uh, you know, it's about kind of the mark we're going to leave on the earth and the fact that we're leaving it a worse place potentially for the future for our children and no one gives a fuck. So ultimately, it's just going to end up as a shit show. Um, it's a little bit more articulate than that, but that's the gist of it. Uh, then we go into Black Oak. Black Oak is about kind of self-doubts, uh, overcoming those self-doubts. It's a little bit lyrically positive as far as that goes, but it's, you know, feeling like you you have to find that inner strength to get out of whatever depression or mindset you're in to move forward. Uh, then we get into World We Leave Behind. Uh, that is a positive view of death because it's about really what you're going to leave when you're gone. Um, the memory you're going to give to those that love you and and those that you make an impact on. So it's almost like a romantic feeling of death. Um, and then yeah, sees a perdition. Yeah. yeah. If I'm going too fast, you can tell me to no, shut you're up fine, and dude. slow down. <laughs> no, 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 um, <laughs> sees a perdition is kind of like weaponizing ideologies to use them. Uh, you know, in the wrong way, whether it's political or religious and it's kind of an age old thing, but it's just something that it's, it's uh, stepping outside of those boundaries to just be a normal person, you know, to, to not be a part of that. And so that's sees a perdition. Um, good, good for everybody to do bigger stuff. We, well, you realize the world's a bigger place and it's, you, you can't live in an echo chamber. Like, you're going to get along with people that are different. And that's, that's a great thing. And it's, you shouldn't just have your head up your ass <laughs> hanging out with people that think the same shit as you do all the time. That's, that's, but anyway, um, agreed on that. Gone, let, yeah. Yeah. When I'm gone, let the wolves come is kind of, uh, you know, it's not feeling like you gave it your all at the end of the day. And, you know, you did your best and, you know, when you're, when you're done with this life, um, the wolves will come, you know, there's nothing you can do about it and you have to be okay with that. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's, so that's kind of the metaphor for, it's just going to keep going. Uh, Shadowlands is kind of the deviation. Uh, that one is, it's about astral projection. <laughs> so it's, it's not about that. Yep. Uh, but well, look, it, that's, a, that's a form of death, I guess. Well, you, you know, it's just about the idea of, transcending planes of existence whether through mm -hmm. meditation or sleep and you know if the possibility can affect your current life in reality by making changes in those so it's just kind of metaphors based on that um journeyman is an ode to brotherhood and friendship uh specifically mm -hmm. to our our guitar player Corey and his brother and just um it's really kind of written as a metaphor but for you know perseverance of when life kind of gives you a bad hand and um you know saying fuck it and moving forward and up and onward and you know yeah. it's really just you know that that brotherhood we have with them and we we just really wanted to david wrote the lyrics for that and they're really special um and, and i think that's cool you know so it's kind of like a 
you know, in honor of them. And, um, well, we get to the end <laughs> and, uh, alone with the setting sun, it's, it's kind of just, you know, at the end of the day, the it's just, yeah, it's just you and that's okay. And you have to be okay with that and you have to learn to be okay with that. And, um, you know, you can use it as a metaphor for at the end of your life or literally at the end of the day, like, you know, be comfortable with the things you've done, be satisfied with the day you've had, the life you've lived. So it's, it's positive, but it still is about death. <laughs> I, I didn't expect to get so cerebral this evening, but I appreciate it. Yeah, sorry about that. I just kind of no, dove in. So <laughs> no, it's great. I I'm, I, I'm excited to know all about, about all that. So we talked about my favorite track earlier. I know it's hard to, to pick a favorite track, but is there a specific one you would like to play? You know, I'm going to have to go with right now because you're right. I do love them all uh, alone with the setting sun right now. That one is my favorite. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, this is again from the brand new album fires in the fall from Craig's Grove. We'll be right back.
and we're back to the show. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the artwork. Um, the album artwork features captivating and intricate designs. How important is the visual art in conveying your the message of the album? I, I think it's absolutely essential of really capturing the the feel as we wanted it. And it's really essential to any album that's going to give you, you know, a, a, an atmosphere, a feeling of a world uh, building, you know, that you could take these songs and they would exist in that cover. They would exist on the back cover. Uh, and it was really crucial that we nailed the visual aesthetic to match the music and, and the titles and the lyrics this time. Because I think sometimes we don't necessarily hit that mark with every record. Um, sometimes it's okay, but I think with this one, the way that Cameron um, got the artwork, you know, and just really went above and beyond our expectations, you know, it, it kind of it was further inspiring to us when we saw it because it was like, holy shit, you know, that's what he got out of it. And that's, it captivated and it, it personifies the music perfectly. So, I mean, it's, it's super important in creating that world that you want people to, like we said earlier, exist in. What is that process of, of, of working with the artist to, to get that across? Um, how, how does that work out for you guys? This time it worked really well. Um, again, with Cameron, we kind of had, we had like a basic concept of the cover, uh, crudely drawn and, you know, we've, we've worked with him in the past on some artwork. So he kind of, you know, he's, he's very easy to work with. And we said, Hey, here's kind of what we're thinking. Here's the way the music sounds. Because a part of it is you want the artist to also be free, you know, because that's why you're, you, you're, you're talking to them because they're an artist. Right. So, so let them kind of do their spin on it. So as he was going through and creating, he was kind of showing us as he was doing it. It was like, yeah, dude, keep doing that, you know, because it was exactly spot on again, above and beyond what we were thinking of. So now we've, we've touched upon bands that sort of like are, are tent pole to the, to the band style and, and sound, but are there any specific bands and musicians um, that had a really significant influence on you and as well as the band sound? Let's, we can talk about that. And then I want to let you play DJ for a minute. We'll let you uh, program a couple songs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one that always comes back and it's going to stay with me forever. Well, actually both these will, but like typo negative. Um, you know, for example, that's going to be, I, I say top five, but probably top three band for me. Uh, uh-huh. I can always, I can always listen to them. I love every record. Um, so for me, it's just, that's kind of a, it's there without me thinking about it. It's automatic. When I pick up a guitar, you're going to get a mixture of riffs and there's probably going to be like a Kenny Hickey riff in there, or even like some, some Peter Stillisms in, in my playing to a degree, maybe shittily done, but <laughs> it's, it's going to be there. Did, um, uh, were you, we'll, we'll get back to the other ones, but were you able, able to see them live? Did you ever get to meet them? Yeah. So I did. I saw them three times live. Um, I saw them twice on the world coming down tour. Yeah. Uh, at the old Deep Elm Live venue back in oh, yeah. 99, I think. I won't be lying, but I believe that is correct. Uh, and it was awesome. I uh, saw him twice, and uh, I, I I shook Peter Still's hand. Yeah, you know, I shook his hand once. Um, <laughs> that was it. But, um, you know, it was, it was, I was, you know, a kid. Um, well, not a kid, but like 17, something like that. And uh, it, it was awesome. And then I saw him a few years later on, 
I think it was Life is Killing Me Tour at Trees. And that was really cool. Oh, Trees, yeah. Yep, yep. Was that the one with, um, who was that? Wasn't Celtic Frost or? I think it was Lacuna Coil, maybe. Okay, that mean, sounds I think. right. I think it, it feels like I'm a little bit older than you. I'm uh, pushing 50 myself, so I, I saw them many, many times. My uh, standout moment for Typo Negative for me was being on the tour bus interviewing Kenny Hickey, which was amazing in itself. And Peter still walks on the bus and looks at me. He's like, in in his deep, booming voice, like, hey, man, do you want a Coke? And you don't say no to that. Sure, I'll take a soda, man, whatever you want. But that was my experience meeting him. It was cool. Oh, that's that's fantastic, dude. And you're right. You don't say no. You accept the Coke and yep. you enjoy no your No matter what kind of awesome. Coke it is, you accept it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's you have to. That's awesome. <laughs> Actually, I have like that notebook that I brought with me that had all my questions uh, in there was autographed by both of those guys. That's super cool, man. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were a big, definitely a big part of my, my childhood growing up is just ingrained. I saw them so many times. I don't think I ever missed a typo negative show. And I, I feel, I feel lucky, you know? Yeah, no, that in in you are because I think it was special to see them live, and that's why they've stuck with me is because as I've gotten older, because um, I'm 41, uh, their albums have actually resonated with me as like like I liked October Rust more when I was younger. Yeah, and I still love it, but I like both coming down now because it resonates more with me as I'm getting older and you know right. like life and children and you know. Like it makes more sense. So like it, it, it's almost like they progress with you. So it works perfectly. Agreed. Um, so let's go back into the other bands. Uh, who, who else is on that list for you? Uh, I would have to say Amorphous. So, the you know, big smile just came on my face. Yeah, it's I, I don't think the, the finish, the sorrowful melodies that come out of Finland Mm-hmm. are just it, it's ridiculous there's just something in the water man and it's it's beautiful and <laughs> it's amazing you know because it's like i love sentenced i love amorphous yeah. i love i love calma insomnium they're all great but i picked amorphous because that was when tales came out like that was one of those records that like when i heard it the first time i was like holy shit this is special like everything about this is special it's super weird and it's slow and the melodies yeah. are like folky and awesome like i hadn't heard anything like it um, I, i'll be honest with you amorphous is one of my probably top five bands of all time lucky enough to, to uh to have met them a few times during like meet and greets and things like that so i never thought that i would get to see them live and i've been in the past what 10 years they've, they've toured like th- three or four times you know it's amazing uh yeah that that album tales from the southern lakes is one of my tentpole metal albums when I was getting away from all that Metallica and all that kind of stuff because it came out, you know, right after I got out of high school, basically. And I was looking for new stuff and I've been a huge fan ever since. And my wife is a huge fan because of me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. It So how you just said it, like that was that and at the gate slaughter of the soul were the two records um, that like, were post thrash for me um, because I played in a high school band and those two records I found at the same time through like my friend's older brother. And those were like the first records I heard that I was like, Oh, 
there's something outside of this genre that I need to be listening to. Um, you know, cause it was just a steady diet of thrash metal until then. But those records were just like, holy shit, this is, this is different. You know, I need to keep going. So, uh, important question. Is it Tommy or Posse for you? You don't have to roll your eyes. I, I know the answer. No, it's, it's, it's Tommy. It, it is a hundred percent. Um, I, I love Ajitara. Um, I think that's a great project too. It's it, his vocals are great, but like, Tommy just delivers live and on recording. Yes. He he's he's just so good. And when they did like so, the, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, just when they did like the the you know the tales re-recording and stuff like it. Yeah. It you, you can't beat him. Man. It's really good. Yeah, there's no denying the, the power in his 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 growls, and and the um, and the emotiveness in his clean vocals are are, are some of the best. Yeah, Me and my wife, I agree. She she first got into uh, like the posse era, right? Like the late 90s type of stuff. Um, and it took me years. To, and I'm sorry for calling you out like this, but it took years for me to, to convince her. I'm like, oh, yeah, this new guy, Tommy, he's not the new guy anymore, but he's he's the better choice. He's like the only choice, you know? No, it- Posse's good, and I even like Far From the Sun. It's a mellow yeah. record, but like, it, it's just there's really like talent wise, there's a big difference in how they sing. And I don't mean to be dismissive, but like, yeah, it's no. just no, I it's agree. just a different thing, I, I guess you could say. Different era of the career. Yeah, that exactly right. If uh, Halloween can do that, let's get all of the vocalists back on tour together. Can Amorphous do that? Let's do that. Dude, I'm all about that. Like that. That'd be awesome. Happen. Yeah, hell yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down for that. Um, who else is on your list? Your your short list. Well, let's. You mentioned here. Insomnium, another one of my top ten bands. Insomnium, it, it's hard. To, are we talking about influences, like specific? Because those two were influences. Yeah. Like if we're gonna if we're gonna do that, I'm gonna have to say. It's either going to be because I'm going to go into black metal here. It's either going to be yeah. cra- Cradle of Filth or Dissection, oh. um, because Cradle yeah, of Filth, Cruelty and the Beast was the first record I'd heard like that. Um, even though I didn't really like it initially, it took me a second, <laughs> but I caught on. Um, yeah, but di- I feel that. Di- yeah, Dissections, um, the Somber Lane, really kind of is what got me. I was like, this is my black metal, you know, that sound. Um, so I'm, I guess I'll go with dissection somber lane. Um, I think all three of the records are perfect. I know, um, right now it's not super popular to like them and I don't condone, obviously John was, you know, he's a deeply flawed human, but the legacy yeah. and the music they left is, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Undeniable really. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Let's, uh, let's talk about modern stuff. Um, you mentioned a band to me earlier that we're we're going to play on the show, um, but what else is uh, you know really getting you going right now? What other new new bands? Um, other than the one that I've mentioned, um, which I don't know how to pronounce. I, I don't know if it's Edon or Odon or um, I. Yeah, that was your your. Uh, you tell me about it the other day. <laughs> it was my first time going to listen to it, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, really good, but I, I don't know. I don't want to butcher the name. So um, other than that, I really like Bizarre Cult. I think um, Roman 
uh, is doing some really cool uh, stuff with black metal and mixing in different influences, but just like their, their two records and the new one this year is probably in my top 10, um, top five, maybe I really like, I think they're super cool. Um, I dig what they're doing a lot. Uh, the new outlaw is really good. It's kind of that melodic Swedish. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really good. Reaching beyond Asaya. Um, the new and oceans. Uh, I love and oceans speaking of Finnish stuff. Oh yeah. Me too. Um, Yeah. 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 It's I I've, I've liked them since back in the day. I liked the cypher record. Um, and they've only gotten better since cosmic world mother, um, and so I'd say that production, and, I, I really do like the new A Ocean, but the production is a little low. You have to sort of jam that one up a little bit. You, you do. And the funny thing was the reason that we went to Ove at Wolfstone is because he produced Cosmic World Mother. And I liked that album so much that I contacted him just on a whim thinking like, oh, yeah. we can't, you know, we th- this guy is going to be way out of our league. And, and so it was for the Sundering. And he was absolutely like, yeah, man, I'd love to work with you guys. And it's it's totally reasonable. I can accommodate. And I was like, oh, shit, that's <laughs> fuck. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, is there anybody else you wanted to, to give a shout out to? Yeah, I'm going to have to give a shout out to Necrofire um, just because it's Texas and it's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. I think the new, the new record elevates them to. It does. Yeah, where they should be, and it's just it's so cool, and and you know like track tracks like to the wolves and stuff. I mean, they're just they know how to write a really good song, but they make really good black metal too, and that's awesome. They they really do. I've known I've known Dauber for twenty five years plus um, since he was a, we were both youngins, um, but and I've just followed his career ever since and. You know, he's such a, he's turned into such a, he's always been, but he's such a phenomenal drummer. Not saying because I know him and all that, but he is one of my favorite drummers. Just the style that he can get out of that drum set. That dude is like disgustingly talented. Like, with, you know, <laughs> Oceans of Slumber. It's like yeah. he, he plays guitar, he plays piano, and he does it all so well. And then, you know, like, I'm barely hanging on playing guitar, man. Like, <laughs> like it's awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I, I can't, I, I'm a drummer, so I'm not a real musician, you know. No, no, you trust me, you are. <laughs> um, so let's get into a set of music that you picked out. Uh, we talked about Typo Negative. We're going to do Black Number One, Amorphous, uh, in the beginning from one of our legendary albums. And the, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call it Aedun. Aedun, is there a certain track off there you wanted to play? Any one of them. Uh, is, I think it's, is it Swin? Is that, is that, did I say that right? Yeah, S-W-E-N, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think that's the first track on the record. It's But they're all really good. It's a good, again, top-to-bottom record like we talked about. <laughs> Great French black metal band that that's bringing in different influences as well. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And their sense of melody, I, I love. It's, it's almost sorrowful, but it's still powerful, you know? Okay, agreed. All right, well, let's get into this set of music, and we'll be right back. She's in love with herself. She likes the dark And on her milk white neck The devil's mark Now it's all hollow The moon is full 
Ложить реко А печи
back to the show. We just heard a set of music um, that Justin has picked out. One is a new band called Adon from France. Pretty killer black metal stuff right there. Uh, and then, of course, two legendary band, Amorphous and Typo Negative. Uh, I would have loved to see them tour together. That would have been <laughs> fucking amazing. Oh, that'd be ridiculous. What what are the plans? Are you guys going to try to do a tour? Are you going to what 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 do you guys want to do in the near future? We're going to start setting up some some live shows here pretty soon. Uh, as far as a full tour, probably not likely. We just don't have the capability to really go on like a full tour. But, you know, we may try to set up a couple consecutive dates or something like that. It's definitely going to be Texas based, at least for the foreseeable till the end of the year. Um, and we're just going to keep pushing the record. And, you know, we've already started writing new material and we're going to keep headed that direction. So if there's opportunities that open up as well, where it looks good to play a show, we'll, we'll step in. And uh, otherwise, we're just going to keep writing and, and doing our thing, really. Wh- who would be your uh, personal dream lineup for a tour or even a couple one off shows? Shit. Um, you know. Like I've already said, Necrofire, because they're Texas boys, um, that would make sense. It'd be a lot of fun, I think. Um, you know, I would really, really like to play with a band like Shape of Despair um, or My Dying Bride just to have that. And, and I know that's like, oh, it's a top tier band, but you're asking me hypotheticals. So um, just one of those awesome doom bands to be on tour with. Yeah. So cool. And, and, you know, they don't tour really either. Um, so that would be, that'd be fantastic, man. So anything like that. And mm, I, I guess I need to pick another one, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's do, uh, let's do necrophobic. Oh, yeah. necrophire and necrophobic. Ne- lots of necro going on here, but um, Necrophobic is <laughs> one of my my favorite all time Swedish like melodic death oh, yeah. metal bands, um, and it would be purely self serving just so I could you know listen to their shit every night. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a good good thing. Yeah. Uh, so one of the other shows that I do is a podcast called Metal Geeks Podcast. It was started out of the, out of the need from this show for us to really geek out on the stuff like we like we love to do like comic books and video games and movies and all that kind of stuff so justin i want to know what do you geek out on besides metal music of course um so i used to be a very big warhammer player um fantasy and 40k oh yeah oh yeah uh i don't really have the time for it but i read a lot of warhammer fiction um i also uh i play magic with my sons um, I'm not good, but we do play Magic the Gathering. Um, so I like, like we play that and we play board games and stuff. Like I love playing board games with them, just different ones. Um, you know, cause it's, it's like a fun family bonding thing and it's just, it's really nice to detach from electronics and just sit face to face and have a good time and, you know, misinterpret the rules to a game. Um, <laughs> and, uh, right. yeah, yeah. And, uh, actually since it's right here. I have a very small collection. You can't see it because it's not video of Pops. So I have uh, oh, some funk, funk. Yeah, I don't have a you lot. You could probably, I'll move my head. You can look behind me. I have way too many of those damn <laughs> things. Yeah, I even I have one of myself that I got commissioned. So That's awesome. Yeah, I those take them out of the box because uh, 
I'm I'm a yep. piece of shit, so I take them out of the box. But uh, <laughs> I have them stacked up below my TV, so I only buy the ones that I find kind of resonate with me. But uh, yeah, I the one you pulled it. out was, of course, Ash. Everybody yep. loves fucking loves Ash. Yep, yep, yep. Do you just, uh, do you collect a certain like horror based ones or just stuff from your childhood type of thing? It, it's a mixed bag of that. So, like looking at the ones I've got now, I've got The Crow, I've got William Wallace from Braveheart, I've got James Hetfield. I have a Captain America. I've got the sheriff from Stranger Things, and I have all the Ghostbusters. There you um, go. You know, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan, so like that. It's you know, I, anytime I find stuff like that, I'm probably going to buy it. And I also I mean, wear a lot of like socks, like goofy socks is kind of my thing. So, <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah, I have a ton. <laughs> what are you wearing right now? How goofy are uh, they? They are Hellfire Club socks from Stranger Things. Okay. That's pretty. Um, that's not really goofy, but more geeky. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, geeky yeah. Good. So, yep. Very cool. Um, no video games, any, any of that kind of stuff. I don't play video games very often. If I do, um, it's usually like old school, like RPGs and stuff, like Earthbound or Final Fantasy three, um, stuff like that. Or I'll play like my kids. We have a Nintendo Switch. Like I'll play Smash Brothers, and they'll just usually kill me um (laughs) that really just comes down more so to like dividing my time and i generally just you know i don't at the end of the day play too many video games but i still love them yeah i i I play way too much but i i know it affects my productivity sometimes you know but it's still fun um yeah i'm also a big horror movie fan that's something that my wife and i we love watching horror movies together i don't know if that's a a geek thing but that's just you know something that yeah i watch horror movies all the time so anything recent that's that you've been loving um we rewatched the cleansing hour the the remake of it recently uh and we've seen it before but it's just it's a really good solid fun kind of movie about the devil um in possession and like fake televangelism and stuff but it's it's a really entertaining watch and it goes by fast it's just really enjoyable so all right man uh, a couple more questions i'm gonna let you get out of here uh so uh in this current day and age with in the metal scene for sure what are the most important things bands can do to help promote themselves and promote their albums I'm probably a bad person to ask about this, but (laughs) in my unexpert opinion, I think you have to have, and I hate this, an active social media presence to some degree. But I say this because it allows you to have visibility, but it also allows you to to network with other bands that might not have known about you. And it allows you a direct direct connection to the people that might like your music. Um, So while you can look at it in scoff. And I kind of did that early on where I was like, I don't want to do this shit. I realized it's actually kind of rewarding in the fact that you get to connect directly with people that really like your music and other bands that may want to talk to you or, you know, play shows with you or just commiserate about stuff or whatever. And it's really, yeah, exactly. And it's a really nice thing because you realize that's how the community is kind of kept up now. And it's, it's a, it's a bigger world. And it's, it's honestly, it's a nice thing. So I would say that's kind of step one, get your social media on point and just get out there and start connecting that way. It makes a difference. Yeah, I totally agree. Even though, like you said, there's things to scoff at and algorithms, the way all that shit works, but you know, it, it, it can help. It's, yeah, a, it's just, a good benefit. 
Yeah, I think you just need to be you. Like, be honest to who you are when you do it. Don't try to come off as something ingenuine or something you're not. Just be you, but, you know, have it and be active with it. Now, with technology changing the way music is consumed now, a lot of the streaming type of stuff, um, what is your what is your perspective on those platforms and the impact that it's had on the metal community? I think overall it's probably pretty positive because it allows you access to everything. Um, you know, a lot of bands weren't getting rich off this shit anyway. So <laughs> honestly, it just kind of allows you to have access to those things that you wouldn't have had in the past or people to have absolute access to most of like, for example, our catalog and they can have it through Spotify. And then if they want to buy it, that's awesome. And if they don't, at least they're listening to it and that's appreciated. You know, it's like, yeah, it, having a collection, is something I personally love, but it might not be for everybody and that's okay too. And I'm, I'm not going to, again, I don't expect to make money off of this. This is a labor of love. So for me, I think it's a positive thing because it allows people across the world access to your music. And ultimately that's kind of the goal. I agree. Uh, I compare it. Remember you said you worked at a record store. Uh, there used to be some stores where you'd go in there and you grab the CD and like, Oh, that looks great. Or I've heard about this band and metal maniacs or whatever it was. And you would take it up to the counter. You go like, I would like to hear this. And they would just rip open that package and let you listen to it. That's how I utilize uh, streaming services like Spotify. Like, Oh, I want to hear this band. I really like, Oh, I, I listened to it. Now I really like it. Now I'm going to go support them and buy their album or buy a shirt or see them when they come live. It's, it's, that's what, and a lot of people don't use it for that. I, I get that a lot of the younger generations, you know, they just, they're, they, they were raised on getting everything for free, you know? I think there's a sense of entitlement with that where, because you've always yeah. had it. So it, it's, it's not intentional and they don't mean it in a negative way, but they've always had that. And so they can't help it. Whereas we kind of came up again, I used to work in a record store, so I love having stores like that. I love yep. going to places, but at the same time, I'm with you. Like if I find something on Spotify, I want to find it on Bandcamp, And then I want to add that to my wish list, And then I want to buy it later. So I'm supporting the artist directly because that exactly. matters to me. Yeah. Especially Bandcamp Friday when all the proceeds go to the band. Which is tomorrow. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. It is, this, it is this week, right? Yeah. Yep. Or it's yeah, not tomorrow. So, it's this Friday. Yeah, yeah. This Friday, yeah. Wednesday. So yeah, yeah. everybody go to the <laughs> Craig's Grove uh, Bandcamp and buy the album, buy a shirt, buy all that good stuff and support the band. If you, if you, I used to have the saying, you support or abort. That's it. I, I, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> and, and, and if you're not going to share something at the very yeah. least, you know, exactly. that costs nothing. So sharing is caring. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, last question I want to ask if you had to describe your music in just a few words, uh, what would they be and what message do you hope to convey to your listeners through the music? I think, we are atmospheric black and doom metal to ruin your summer too. Um, you know, and <laughs> you know, I, I think we want to convey that you can find beauty in heavy music. You can find, you know, positive messages in, in things like this and inspiration and stuff because it's there and that's kind of cheesy maybe, but I think there's also a lot of negativity. And so, mm -hmm. 
even though our music may sound a certain way, there's an underlying level of positivity of self-affirmation in it. And I think, you know, I hope people get that out of it. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for your time. And of course, um, let people know where they could contact you and your band camp and all that good stuff. Uh, you can contact us at Kriegsgrove at gmail.com or just go to the band camp. Um, you know, it's just Bandcamp search Kriegsgrove or go to our Instagram and we are very active on there. It's usually me that's uh, responding on that um, or Facebook. But uh, yeah, Instagram's pretty active. So anywhere in there, the email, you're going to get a response. So Awesome, man. Well, thank you, Justin, for your time. Um, we're going to leave it at that. And as always, we always like to say to our, our fans and friends that come on the show, keep it metal. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate it so much.
Hey, Geekazoids. Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit metalgeeks.net. Keep it geeky. Keep it metal.